0: Hi and welcome to episode number 124, How to Create a Bright and Cheerful Home, Part 2. Last week, I spoke about the physical environment of your home. And if you remember, I talked about three very important pillars in creating a bright and cheerful home, the physical environment, the spiritual environment, and the emotional environment. And I'm going to speak about the emotional environment today All three contribute to that vibe of bright and cheerful home that uh, people who live there feel, as well as the guests who come into our home feel. We want to create a home where everyone feels loved, respected, and valued. It should be a place where all are listened to and not unjustly judged. Your home should be a sanctuary from the constant attacks from the world. The first point is respect. The most important habit you can teach in your home is respect. Respect between spouses, children respecting parents, parents respecting children, and the respect between the siblings. So let me just go into it a little bit here. Respect between spouses. As with every aspect of our lives, Our children are influenced more by what we model than by what we tell them to do. It is critical to their feelings of safety and security that children see their parents respect and honor for each other. Parents should avoid arguing in front of children. And just because you close the bedroom door doesn't mean they can't hear you or feel the tension of an argument. Now, I know this is very difficult, but we have to do our best to protect our children. And that may mean that you need to wait before you discuss something through with your spouse. And side note, waiting usually takes the emotion out of it, and you can actually discuss something without all the negative emotion attached. Spouses should be very careful in the way they argue, not only for the good of their relationship, but because children hear harsh words and name-calling, and they don't forget. If you call your husband names when you're angry, you automatically force your children to choose if they believe that about their dad. That's a terrible position to put our children in. Do you show your children that your husband is the most important person in your life, and do you speak to him lovingly? Do you listen to him? Do you avoid complaining about him to others? Do you demand that your children respect your husband, their father? Does your husband demand that the children treat you with respect and honor? I remember when our kids were teenagers and one of my sons was speaking to me disrespectfully. And my husband kind of got up in his face and said, you do not speak to my wife that way. And I think that was a moment where my son realized that I was his wife first and then their mother. And it was really an impactful moment. If you find there's disrespect in your relationship with your husband, have a candid conversation with him and discuss how disrespect between the two of you will undercut your parenting and teach your children to disrespect you both. The next point is teaching children to respect their parents. I think we can all agree that a 30-year-old should not stamp his foot and shout, I hate you, or shut up at a boss who tells him he needs to stay late. So why is it okay for small children to tell you no or say, I hate you? It is a disorder in the family that will affect family life for a long time. I'm not talking about teaching our children to stuff their emotions, but we do have an obligation to teach them how to process their emotions. If we don't teach them how to respect and honor us, as in honor your father and your mother, no one else will. That will be a serious failing on our part, one for which we will have to answer to God. And it also sets up a spiritual problem for them. Teaching our children that we are the boss, the rule setter, the final word, helps the children understand their relationship with God. He is the boss, the rule setter, the final word, and the one who loves us more than anyone. If our children have not experienced that with physical parents, it's very hard for them to experience it with a Heavenly Father whom they cannot see or touch. Leonard Sachs is a family physician, psychologist, and author of many excellent parenting books. He wrote about an office visit with a 10-year-old boy who was sitting and playing a game on his mobile phone, ignoring his mother and Dr. Sachs, as they were talking about the boy's stomach aches. As his mother is describing his stomach aches, the boy says, shut up, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. And the boy laughs. When you hear that, does it shock you? It shocked me. Never in a million years should a child speak to a parent, much less any adult or person really, with such disrespect. Although, to be honest, I have heard mothers allow their children to speak to them this way, even as young as three years old. As a mother of seven, all of them grown now, I cannot emphasize enough that if you have respect problems with your kids when they are toddlers, you can't even imagine the respect problems you will have with them in their teens. You have already given them control of the home and situations. You have already given them the unspoken message that you don't respect yourself enough to demand their respect. And you have stepped down from your role as a parent. The interior chaos that your surrender causes your child is unsettling and anxiety-ridden. You and your husband are supposed to be the adults. You both are supposed to protect your children and teach them how to treat people. Do not relinquish that role because you find the confrontation difficult or because you've bought into some parenting expert that said, you need to let your children express their feelings. You need to let them feel their feelings, but your job is to help them express them appropriately. Trust me, it only gets more difficult when your children get older. Teach them now when they're young. On the other side of the coin is respecting our children. It's hard to be patient all day, every day. And as humans, we will fall and falter more times than we would like. But if you find that your impatience or stress turns to disrespect of the children, that needs to be your primary focus of change each day. No child should ever hear, are you stupid? Why are you so stupid? Don't be an idiot. Shut up. Those types of phrases sink deep into a child's mind. It attacks their self-confidence and self-esteem and leaves them wondering if maybe they are stupid or an idiot. Start today, figuring out what and where your trigger points are. Then before your impatience and disrespect is triggered, decide what your plan of action will be to remove yourself from the escalating emotions. Side note, again, self-care. If you're taking care of yourself, you're taking time away, you're nurturing yourself so that you can get your head right, you will be so much more patient with your children and you won't have to worry about disrespecting them because you're respecting yourself. It's never too late to begin again. If you find yourself saying, I've already blown the respect thing. I've yelled at my kids too many times. I've lost my patience. I can't do this because I haven't done this well. Realize that children are forgiving if they sense you are humble in your acknowledgement of past mistakes and desire to change in the future. Look at them as if they are the Christ child himself. That will change how you see your children and how you behave towards them. Eventually, you will acquire the habits that keep you calm and reduce the yelling. But it is a process. You will not always be perfect. It is the human condition to mess up. That's why we seek forgiveness and we vow to begin again. Seeking forgiveness is not throwing yourself at the feet of your toddlers begging for forgiveness, it can mean an apology and an interior reminder that your children do not deserve to be disrespected. Okay, teaching your children to respect their siblings. I remember as a young mom, a friend of mine who also had a lot of children, her children fought all the time. My friend remarked on many occasions how she couldn't believe how my children always seemed to get along so well. What she didn't see was how hard we worked to teach our children to get along. Day in and day out, disrespect and unkindness was never an option. Were they still sometimes disrespectful and unkind to each other? Yes, they were imperfect children, and they are imperfect adults, and like us all, they make mistakes. I don't have a unicorn family. We're not perfect. But we had a high bar that most of the time they lived up to. We taught the children that friendship was important between them, that friends in their life would come and go, but they would always be brothers and sisters and had to treat each other well. And when there was conflict, we helped them see the other's side of things and taught them to work it out. And let go of any resentments. Name-calling or making fun of another was never tolerated and if you said shut up to a sibling it cost you 25 cents and it rarely happened after they paid up. As my kids are now adults, now they have to decide how they're going to treat each other. But if you don't set the foundation for your children when they're young, they will not have something to aspire to when they are older. When we respect each other, there is an inherent kindness in the way we treat each other. We won't speak badly, we'll be more patient, and everyone will feel loved and appreciated. One way to be sure everyone is treated with respect is to remove all inflammatory language from the home. Eliminate name-calling or ignoring each other, and encourage everyone to speak to each other with refinement rather than using ugly words. The next point in creating the emotional environment of your home is affection. I am often surprised by how many families are not affectionate with each other. It makes me sad. Physical affection strengthens the bonds between everyone it seems so easy to kiss and snuggle and cuddle with a baby, but young children, and especially teenagers and young adults, need the bond of affection just as much, if not more. In the early 80s, and I'm dating myself, of course, there was an author and motivational speaker on love and connectedness named Leo Buscaglia who said, Too often, we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around. After raising seven children, all with an amazing array of talents and gifts, the thing I can confidently say they needed the most to live the life God was calling them to before violin lessons, select sports teams, degrees from the top colleges of the country, was an affectionate family. It was through our affection that they felt they belonged, bonded. They had a tribe in a world where they didn't know if their friend yesterday was going to be their friend tomorrow. We always hugged and kissed hello goodbye when they went off to anywhere When their father left for work in the morning, it was important for them to give a hug and a kiss and for their dad to receive it. When he came home from work, usually a long, hard day, the children were taught to stop what they were doing and run and greet him. And I did the same. He has said on multiple occasions how much he looked forward to that greeting. When the world at work kicked him down, He came home to a hero's welcome. The next point is friendship. When Michael and I were dating, we spoke about the kind of family we wanted. We wanted a close-knit, faith-filled family. It was our main goal. We wanted our children to be friends with each other and with us. Friendship looks different between parent-child and siblings. As parents, we can never abdicate our role to try to be peers with our children. Instead, as friends, we relate to each child individually, keeping in mind their likes, their dislikes, and finding unique ways to bond and interact with them. They need us to be their mom and dad, not their peer, but they also need a shoulder to cry on or a friend to listen. They need someone to encourage their goals and dreams and someone to be there when they think the world is falling apart around them. Developing a bond of friendship from the time they are young sets up a trust factor for when they really need a friend during those teen and early adult years. Friendships don't always come easily with siblings. Our seven children have distinct personality traits, and some of those traits rub others the wrong way. Our job as parents is to help the children see the good and not brood or complain about the challenges. We worked hard at helping them work things out and give each other the benefit of the doubt. Next is listen with your eyes. While I am all for technology, it has definitely changed the family interaction dynamic. With all the devices and filled schedules that occupy our lives, it is so important to step back and look at how you interact with each other. Do people listen to each other? And do you look at each other as you're speaking? Do you have firm rules about devices, TV, and video games so that the people of the home don't feel inferior to the devices of the home? We live in a loud and distracting world. So loud and distracting that people can easily get lost and feel unheard. Look at your children and listen to them when they're speaking and teach them to do the same when you are speaking. Okay, next week I will talk about the spiritual environment of the home. The last thing I want to leave with you is this question. What kind of home do you want? Are you happy with the emotional environment of your home? Speak with your husband Remember, the two of you are the leaders of the home. Own your leadership role. Set goals and dreams for how you envision your family life in 10, 20, 30 years from now. You can have a reset, whether total reset or just in one area. Life is about beginning again and again. If you do decide to change things up and your children are old enough, have a family meeting, and announce the restart, encouraging everyone to work hard to make new family habits. Take care. Do you have a life coach who helps you be the woman you want to be? The woman God has called you to be? Who helps you sort through your marriage or parenting difficulties and helps you create the mindset you need to embrace your vocation with joy and gratitude? If you're looking for a coach, I would be so honored to help you. Email me at janet at findingjoyandmotherhood.com.